0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back, or welcome to another episode of Warden's Wisdom. I'm your host, Jimmy Warden, and on today's episode, we are going to be diving into part two of our three-part series about dopamine. Specifically in part two, we'll be discussing how dopamine has an effect on our different relationships that we have in our life, specifically our romantic or intimate relationships, our friendships, as well as our work-related relationships. Dopamine has an effect on all three of those different types of relationships in our lives and I felt like it would be important for us to have a little discussion uh, in regards to what those effects look like. So if you've been curious about why your relationships might be going the way that they are, this is a great place to start because there could be a big potential that dopamine is one reason that There are certain outcomes within those relationships, and I'm going to be diving into that momentarily. Uh, But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Have you ever wondered why your relationship went from having a burning, passionate desire between you and your partner to all of a sudden having that desire extinguished over a relatively short period of time? Have you ever wondered why some people have a tendency to have a lot of sexual partners? How about that friend that you have that always needs to be right no matter what? Or perhaps you have a boss that seems to be a micromanager, or maybe even a boss that is the complete opposite and lets all of the employees solve the problems in the organization that they're facing. Whatever the situation may be, there is a factor that is involved in a lot of those scenarios, and that factor is indeed dopamine. As stated in the previous podcast, dopamine is a neurotransmitter in the brain that is responsible for our feelings of want and desire. So when we desire more food, or we desire a new car, or perhaps even a new life altogether, dopamine is the catalyst for us wanting these things. It is often referred to as the molecule of more because of how heavily involved it is in making us want more of something, no matter what that something is. Not only does dopamine play a heavy role in making us want more, but it also plays a heavy role in how some of our relationships play out in the world. And specifically, this is in regards to romantic relationships, friendships, and work-related relationships. So let's start first with romantic relationships and how dopamine affects romantic relationships. So there's a phrase out there, um, and some people claim to have lived it out. Uh, some people might claim to have a belief in it but the the phrase is do you believe in love at first sight now there could be some truth to this concept where someone sees a person whom they're attracted to and they imagine that the wedding bells are chiming and they see the family that they're going to create with this person but that isn't always the reality Um, when you have a first encounter with someone in most situations the first reason why people are attracted to someone is because of the innate primitive desire to procreate and keep the species going this is dopamine firing through our system when we're sexually attracted to someone dopamine plays a big role in this attraction because because <clears throat> excuse me because it's our midbrain that is signaling to us that there is someone in front of us that we should reproduce with to keep the species going. I know it might seem weird to think this, and and for me to kind of state that idea, but keep in mind that our midbrain is not responsible for rationality; it's responsible for survival. Hence, why that desire that we feel to want to be intimate with someone is very hard to, um, very hard to suppress because it it is something that we want to be doing so that we can keep the species going. And it's it's our survival mechanisms kicking in and telling us what to do rather than our rational brain telling us what to do. And so with that being said, upon the initial attraction, we often some excuse me, we often try to devise some type of plan to try to break the ice with this person to make things a little bit less awkward. And so we begin to devise a plan uh, to to break the ice. And this is desired dopamine in action, because there is a short-term goal that wants to be reached, which is talking to that attractive person, and it is the desire that we have to break the ice that is fueling it. And not only that, but there is also a newness or a novelty to meeting this new person to which we want to pursue and, and desire dopamine is really all about that novel and that new experience that we as as humans want to continue to have. And dopamine influences us to seek these new experiences, especially if it is a possible new romantic partner, so that we can, like I said previously, keep the species going. And we get enthralled at the sight of someone new because of the potential of what could be. It is the desire to pursue that gives us that motivation to talk to that person. And when we do, when the interaction goes well, then we start to think about what's next. And again, which this what's next often tends to be wanting or desiring some type of sexual interaction. It is the idea, again, of what's next that keeps us driving forward and behaving in a manner to make those things happen. And that, that catalyst for wanting and seeking more is, is dopamine just flowing through us throughout that entire time. And it is often not even the actual sexual encounter at the end in terms of that end goal of wanting to, to have some type of sexual interaction. It's not even those encounters, like I said, that are driving us, but rather the potential of what will happen uh, that keeps us going. And this is what some experts actually refer to as passionate love. So passionate love is the type of love that keeps you up until 3 in the morning or texting on the phone, um, talking or texting on the phone till 3 in the morning, going to new places with your new partner, wanting to spend every waking minute of every waking hour with them. This passion, it's driven, driven by that newness and that novelty of the relationship, which is a signal that desire dopamine is right now in the driver's seat of your brain. You're looking for that next new thing to do with this new amazing partner. This can also can be thought of <clears throat> as what people might call the honeymoon phase of a relationship where infatuation just completely takes over the rational mind. There is no real rational thinking happening just because of the high levels of infatuation and in some cases it almost like feels like an intoxication um, and this is a big reason why relationships generally last eighteen months or less, because this is considered the passionate love stage from zero months to eighteen months. And this is also a big reason why some people are promiscuous, even despite being in what some people would say is a committed relationship. You know, because the the promiscuity is fueled by that desire for something or someone new, and in, in a new experience and. You know, unfortunately, uh, in my life, I've actually fell victim to one of these experiences and in a previous relationship that I had, um, I fell victim to the the spell, I like to call it, uh, of of passionate love and desire dopamine. So I'll try to to make a quick, uh, long story short here, but, you know, so I was in college and I was dating a girl while I was there and I was head over heels infatuated with her and some of my best friends, uh, some of my basketball teammates, lacrosse teammates, some people that I consider to be really close uh, compadres, as as I like to call them, you know, they definitely had given me some forewarnings about spending time with her. Uh, you know, because she had a reputation for being a bit promiscuous, but I waved them off and and I ignored those red red flags because of my personal innate primitive desire to be with her, my midbrain was taking over my rational brain, my reptilian brain um, you know was taking over my thinking brain. and lo and behold, you know I eventually found out that she indeed took part in some of those behaviors that people had given me the warnings about, to which you know I was, I was dumbfounded, I was heartbroken, shocked, all the above. And, but this was all because I was blinded by desire dopamine and passionate love. you know were there times where I started trying to step away from the situation and try to think about it more rationally. Absolutely, but it was really hard for me to suppress my desire in order to think rationally, which is why desire dopamine can be, can be so at times actually destructive because, again, going back to something that I stated in the previous podcast, willpower often gets overpowered by desire because there's that desire that needs to get met instant almost instantaneously at times or oftentimes instantaneously whereas willpower it eventually fades over time so that's why again a lot of people succumb to um, succumb to those desires even when they're trying to exude their willpower in making new changes in their life and Something to connect with um, some other folks too. If uh, we think of the we think of the musician Mick Jagger, he had that song. I can't get no satisfaction. I know I didn't do it very well. I didn't do that song justice, that lyric in particular. So I apologize for those um, that had to hear that. But anyways, the more important point. What I'm trying to say is, you know, this is also why Mick Jagger. Could never have any satisfaction. This infamous song was actually inspired by his own promiscuity and his consistent pursuit for the next sexual partner. He could never actually get too intimate or too close to anyone uh, that he was romantic with because he was so heavily influenced by desire, dopamine, and the feeling that he would get from pursuing a new partner. That chase, right? That, that I talked about um in the in the previous podcast too where it's the chase that's that fuels us and you know the experiences themselves right when when he actually will say completed his his mission or his goal uh to to engage in some type of sexual interaction he like these experiences probably weren't even that great for him in comparison to the actual pursuit Hence why he was always looking for what was next once one experience ended. He was always looking for ne- something something more. What was coming after this? You know, this one wasn't good enough, so I, I need more. And this is a big reason why it's hard for people to sustain, really actually sustain a committed relationship, and it is also a big reason for people having sex addiction. You know, the sex in and of itself isn't even that satisfying for those folks, um, considering that they're... Always looking for that next partner. They're not actually in that moment. They're they're really again just looking ahead to to what's next. Um, and so those are really kind of the key some of the key points. I'll revisit some of them later <clears throat> in regards to how dopamine influences romantic relationships. So let's this is a nice little time to uh, quickly segue into how dopamine affects um, friendships. And uh, with that being said, let's just take a quick break from this podcast so that we can we excuse me that way we can hear one more quick word from our sponsors and the rest of this will be ad free now not only does uh this brain molecule dopamine have an influence on our romantic relationships but it also has an influence on our friendships too specifically in the form of manipulation now this might seem a bit extreme uh, because we think that we try to not manipulate, uh, that we try not to manipulate the people with whom we believe to be close with and those that we love, but we do try to manipulate our friends into doing things that we want them to do. Essentially, this is actually peer pressure at its core, Um, you know, because we have a goal in mind of having our friend partake in whatever we are pressuring them to do and that goal oriented thinking is driven by dopamine. Dopamine is, is future oriented, wanting to push us forward in completion of something. And um, so these specific situations are referred to as agentic elements of a relationship. Agentic, meaning that the relationship, or perhaps parts of the relationship, are fueled. Uh, by the desire to accomplish a goal um, so great relationships however they they have more than uh agentic elements you know the The true essence of friendships that we think of uh those are the- aff- affiliative elements, so an affiliative relationship is again what we think of as the typical friendship, meaning that it was formed because we genuinely enjoy that person's company it was it was formed on the premise that we want this person in our lives in our close uh, contact. Relationships are complex, however, and, and they have a tendency to include both affiliative and agentic elements. You know For example, if a friendship is damaged because one friend acted in the wrong, that friend who acted in the wrong might try to apologize or convince the other friend that they didn't have any malintention. Now, this is an agentic element of the relationship being played out in order to repair the affiliative elements. so to explain it in a little bit more of a layman's term is one party, so the party that um the party that was wrong, right they did the wronging. They're trying to manipulate the other party or the other friend in a way to convince them that the friendship should still continue despite that wrongdoing. Right? So the goal is to keep that friendship alive. So that's the agentic element, the manipulative element, in order to keep the affiliative element of staying together in close contact. And we we could even think of another perspective, right, of even complimenting someone in order to start building a friendship. So if you compliment someone, in a way you're actually trying to manipulate the way that they think about you and understand who you are because if you compliment someone, that's sending a message to the other person or other people or whomever it might be to saying, Hey, I noticed this about you. That means I'm a good person. Because if I wasn't, then I wouldn't notice that about you. Essentially, that is part of a compliment, right? Because we want that other person's approval. We want that person to say thank you. And we want that person to realize we are okay to be around. And this is an example of, again, an agentic element, that manipulation piece being used to try to create an affiliative relationship. So that way people can stay in contact and stay uh, with one another. Now, on the flip side right those those people that have built long-term friendships and enjoy spending time with each other <clears throat> excuse me they're actually more likely to try to plan for more future get-togethers so this is where the affiliative and agentic elements start to become more synchronous you know where they're working in harmony right because People that enjoy each other's company in the present moments that they're experiencing, these are the affiliative elements that were in each other's company, those people are then planning future gatherings to accomplish the goal of having that future gathering, which, again, is an agentic element where part of the relationship is to try to complete a goal. So a personal example of this that I actually had in my life... um, was actually planning a trip to Nashville with two good friends of mine that I had been friends with for almost a decade now, um, and at that time, you know, maybe seven or eight years. And so we planned the trip about two or three weeks out in advance of when it would actually happen. So keep in mind, right? If we, if we, did, if we didn't genuinely enjoy each other's company, if we didn't have those affiliative elements, liking the fact that we want to be around each other, like just liking each other and wanting to be around each other if we didn't have those affiliative elements, there was no way that we would have decided to plan a future trip together or execute that plan to accomplish our agentic goal of visiting Nashville. So, you know, the, the, there's, the, there's the, and again, the way that this all relates to dopamine is thinking of how dopamine tends to be goal-oriented towards a future outcome you know the the agentic piece specifically you know planning whatever it is that you want to plan the execution of that right and moving towards that execution with each step of the way we each step of the plan those are some agentic elements and and, and that's how dopamine fuels the agentic piece of those relationships as well as you know and that's that's more of the the control dopamine right because if we go back to go back to what was talked about in the previous podcast, there's, there's desire dopamine and there's control dopamine where desire dopamine wants, wants it. And it wants it now. Whereas control dopamine is more of that more thought out, calculated long-term planning and the, the affiliative elements we can, we can think of as more of just that desire, desire to want to be around one another. Um, and so that's how, that's how the how dopamine uh, really has an influence on, on our friendships. And so now is actually a good time to to start segueing into how dopamine affects work relationships as well. So I think <laughs> I think it's safe to say, uh, and that's why I'm chuckling a little bit. So. I think it's safe to say that a lot of us don't always go out with our work colleagues or spend a consistent amount of time with them outside of work. Uh, you know, unless, unless you do, unless we do develop an affiliative, an affiliative relationship with them, you know, I've, I've developed some affiliative relationships with some of my colleagues and I'm sure some of you have as well. Um, you know, therefore, right. If, if, If most work relationships are not affiliative in their nature, then therefore they are agentic in their nature. With that said, right there are some ways that people try to use some agentic strategies in order to accomplish work-related tasks or goals. One example that pops up into my mind is the boss that allows their employees to work through any issues that their organization is having. So... Due to the nature of wanting the employees to do more of the problem solving, this boss is engaging in an agentic manipulative strategy by letting the people who are doing a lot of the organization's work solve the problems at hand. This submissive tactic actually allows for the employees to take on those responsibilities of solving the organization's big problems, which could potentially lead to higher rates of work satisfaction, you know, again, just based on some of my personal experience, I know that the more often that people have a say in what's being done within the organization and have the ability to help solve some of the potential problems that arise, you know, people tend to feel like they have, they have more satisfaction because they know that they have meaningful, meaningful Responsibilities uh, within their organization uh, because they're being called upon to solve some of those harder problems. And this could also potentially lead to more affiliative feelings for one's work and wanting to be there as the employees would be happier with their job. Again, knowing that they have some meaningful responsibilities and that they play a specific role within the organization, and that specific role is very important. Now, there's also the contrast of this, too, right? Where there's the boss who's manipulative by way of being a micromanager, constantly barking out orders, telling people what they should and shouldn't do, and berating those who don't fulfill their duties exactly as the boss stated. And this tactic is, again, agentic, and it's very agentic, because this type of boss has one goal and one goal only which is to try to control everything that their employees do and have a pulse on every minutia of the organization and they don't really include they don't try to they don't really think about any of those affiliative elements in terms of what's the satisfaction like do people enjoy being here you know they're they're really just focused on that goal of getting organization the organization from point A to point B and they're going to do everything in their power in order to make that happen and this tends to lead to less affiliative aspects of relationships as the employees will likely become a little bit disgruntled probably agitated at the fact that they don't they feel like they don't have the trust from their boss that they need to that they need in order to do their job well, because the the boss is over their shoulder or literally in their office or room, whatever it might be, you know, and and, and there's no there's no trust there, um, because if if there was, you know, then the boss would be able to let their employees, you know, take care of business. And this creates a very unhealthy and, and potentially toxic work environment because instead of having collective goals, the only goal that matters, um, or the only goals that do matter, are those of the person in charge uh, because they're again doing anything that they can within their power, with, even which means you know checking in on every person every single day, you know, in order to try to complete their their personal goals and they they're using they're using their employees as a way of manipulation by way of manipulation to complete the goal by saying you must do this if we want to get there um, so and that you know and that's that's really how those are really some ways I should say that dopamine has an influence on those work relationships too, um, because, and it's all attached, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these reasons for things happening the way they do are attached to some type of outcome, some type of goal. And if there are goals and outcomes, um, dopamine is involved in some way, shape or form, um, which is why it has a lot to do with, with the way that relationships are created. And how we pursue relationships. Um, So, I'll start to try to summarize some of the the key points here is, you know, going back to some of the the points from the previous episode is that, you know, desire dopamine is what we feel, right, in in an immediate situation where we want an immediate, some type of immediate outcome. And and that desire dopamine is what we feel when we are immediately attracted to someone sexually. Uh, or intimately, however you want to phrase it, and it is the reason that we try to pursue that intimacy or that sexual encounter with them, you know. And, and this is a, a term that scientists and experts call passionate love, but this passionate love uh, tends to fade over time, usually within eighteen months. Uh, and if there hasn't been any companionship, because that would be the next element, and and I this is actually a, could be a potential for. Um, a later podcast, but <clears throat> if there hasn't been any companionship developed and it doesn't turn from a passionate to a companion companionate relationship, um, the re- the relationship will will ultimately end. And desire dopamine is also a huge reason why people are promiscuous and they want to pursue more than one partner. Their goal is to continue that pursuit. They're always on the lookout for what's next because they're they're driven by that desire. Um, And it also has an influence, dopamine that is, has an influence on our friendships because those people that we are compatible with and want to have affiliations with are often the people that we try to schedule into our lives at a future point in time. You know, we have the desire to be in close contact or have close encounters with them. And so we're willing to set aside future times in order to make that happen, which is both desire dopamine and control dopamine coming into play where we have the desire to be with them. And we control our future planning and we make those future plans in order to execute on having that encounter. And lastly, uh, dopamine can also have... An effect on work relationships because of again that goal-oriented nature that is brought about in the workplace. So, you know, next time you find yourself scratching your head at a decision, um, you know that maybe your boss made or maybe even that you made in the workplace. You know, dopamine might be the reason that that decision was made, um, and you know not only just in the workplace but you know with your friendships and your relationships. Anytime there is something that comes up. It might seem a little bit out of character, a little bit, um, you know, out of your elements or out of your nature. You know, try to take a step back and reflect, uh, because dopamine just might be the reason that you made that decision. Well, thanks for listening to part two of our three-part series about dopamine. I hope that you're able to have some takeaways in regards to how dopamine affects our various relationships in our lives. And just, again, trying to think about the different ways that this crazy brain neurotransmitter, this crazy brain molecule, um, almost has a hold on us at times. So, Thank you for listening, folks. I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your day to... Give this a listen. I really hope that you are learning with each podcast that you listen to. Uh, If that is indeed the case, please feel free to make any comments or any insights on what you have taken away. Uh, If you have any questions about anything, please feel free to drop those in the comments. That way I could also maybe perhaps do some type of Q&A podcast in the near future. Whatever works best for um, all of you listeners and all of you viewers out there. And the best ways to support this podcast are to not only just share it with others, but more specifically, you know, if it'd be great if you could go to if wherever you get your podcast, if you could subscribe to it uh via Apple Podcasts, you could also subscribe on YouTube. I'm starting to try to get some of those out on YouTube. Uh but you can always check my check my blog as well as the podcast page on Apple Podcasts to have more updates in regards to podcasts specifically. Um, You can also check us out. We are on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, We are all using the at Warden's Wisdom as far as our title. So please feel free to check us out on social media where we will be posting our podcasts, clips of podcasts, uh, as well as clips from our blogs and lots of other awesome, informative content. So thank you again. Uh, I really look forward to continuing to engage with all of you uh, in weeks to come uh, and be on the lookout for the next part in this series, as well as some really exciting, exciting content coming up, uh, specifically in regards to flow state. That's something that will be coming up in, the near future, as well as the concept of transparency. So if those are some things that you have been curious about, uh, those are on the horizon. So please feel free to set your calendars for those. Uh, Those will be coming to you in the near future. And thanks again for all of your support. I couldn't do it without all of you. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day uh, and rest of your week.